Welcome to Season 5, Episode 11 of Fire Away, Rudner Law's online show focused on the employment law issues that matter to you. My name is Stuart Rudner. I'm an employment lawyer and mediator and founder of Rudner Law, as well as your host of this special episode of Fire Away. First, just a quick reminder, Fire Away stream is live online every month. And if you missed an episode or want to watch one again, they're always available on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe, our Facebook page, and on our website. So today I am very excited to be doing our 2022 holiday show. And just because we take these holiday shows very seriously, we've got a full lineup of Rudner Law Lawyers today. So I'm joined, first of all, by Brittany and Nadia and Alex and Jeff. So we are all, I believe, in the festive spirit. Hopefully this will help everyone else to get in the mood for the holidays as we take a look at a variety of holiday-themed TV and movie clips. Regular viewers will know that we love these clip shows since we can educate our audience and also have a little fun at the same time. So for today, we've each selected a couple of TV or movie clips that are holiday-themed. In my case, and I need to uh, assist my background here, I've gone back to a classic. Uh, So I... (laughs) I'm going back all the way to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which is probably one of the first Christmas classic uh, specials I ever watched. Um, And I have to admit that when I was growing up, I never realized how bad the graphics were, (laughs) how long the show is, because it's actually an hour. I kind of assumed it was a half hour, Uh, but also how many HR or HR law discrimination and harassment issues that arise in that one hour of of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which perhaps only an HR lawyer would see. So, Rob, do you want to play the clip and then we can talk about it? For crying out loud! Fireball, what's the matter? Get away! Get away from me! No, 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 no! What's this nonsense here, Bucks? After all, yeah! <gasps> <gasps> hey, look at the beat! should be ashamed of yourself. What a pity. He had a nice takeoff, too. All right, all right now, Yannings. Back to practice. Oh, no, not you. You better go home with your folks. From now on, gang, we won't let Rudolph join in any reindeer games, right? Okay, so I'm joined by a special guest here. So Rudolph can tell us how upset this, how upsetting this was. Um, But just to set the stage here for this scene, this is right after you've got all the young reindeer learning to fly so they can join and be part of Santa's team when they get older. Rudolph, of course, is Donner's son. He's expected to be a big part of the team. In fact, he does better than pretty much everybody else in learning how to fly and take off. And at the time, he's got his red nose hidden with with some coal, but it it becomes exposed. Everyone sees the red nose, and all of a sudden, this is when the video picks up, and he's told, is not going to be part of any reindeer team, any reindeer games, or anything else. So obviously, I think we all know this is wrong on a personal and social level. What does it have to do with HR? Well, just because someone looks differently or acts differently, especially if it's because of a, a racial or racial or ethnic background or sexual identity or that type of thing, you should never refuse to give them a chance or take them into their job. And we often still hear people talking about how someone wasn't a good fit. And that's why they either didn't get a job or they lost their job. And the reality is, if it's because of a, a personality issue or because they weren't getting along with their colleagues, that's one thing. But 
often I think we still know that, you know, not being a good fit is kind of code for someone who looks different or has a different background, uh, which is obviously completely inappropriate. And just as an aside, I did a, a video blog post earlier this year, all about the benefits of hiring people with disabilities and how not only can it be, not only is it the right thing to do, but can actually be a great thing for your organization because they often can be amongst your best workers. Um, so the bottom line, from my perspective, it's really bad HR to take or make decisions based upon physical appearance or characteristics. Much better uh, if you ignore those things and at the very least, making decisions, hiring or firing based upon appearances, bad HR, the very worst, it's also unlawful. So that was my uh, my take on, on this part of Rudolph. And I'm going to come back to the other misfit, which is uh, Herbie. But anybody else want to chime in on that before we go to the next clip? No, I think you covered it, Stuart. Don't discriminate based on a red nose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there may be some argument that there's some kind of child labor laws being interacted with here, but we can probably leave that for another day. You generally don't want to start training people at the age of two for their jobs. <laughs> All right. And we're going to come back to the whole issue about whether they're being paid. And also when we talk about the elves and I never saw any evidence that they were being paid for their work either, but we're going to come back to that. Um, so, so we can move on to the next clip, which I have to admit was one that I really wanted to do because I love this movie. But uh, Brittany's going to talk about the Muppet Christmas Carol. And I think we got a couple of clips from that one. But I'll let you, uh, let you take it, Brittany. Awesome. Thanks, Stuart. Yeah, so as Stuart said, our next clip is from one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. It just doesn't get better than this movie. <laughs> uh, it is full of examples of bad employer behavior, uh, bad HR conduct, thanks to our beloved Mr. Scrooge. Uh, we're going to actually be looking at two examples today, uh, but let's go ahead and watch the first clip. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, it's gotten colder. Yeah. Any bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire? We can't do the bookkeeping. Yeah, all of our pens have turned to inksicles. Yeah. Our assets are frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly... Unemployed! This is my island in the sun. I love this movie. <laughs> That's so funny. So in this clip, we see Scrooge's employees coming to him with a pretty serious health and safety concern. It's apparently so cold in the office that the bookkeeper's pens have turned to inksicles uh, and their assets are frozen. Uh, so if Scrooge was an employer here in Canada, he would have a duty to take all reasonable steps to ensure the health and safety of his workers, including ensuring that they have access to a safe working environment. And Scrooge's employees would actually have the right to refuse work in unsafe conditions. And if Scrooge still refused to address the problem, they could call the Ministry of Labor and have an inspector attend at the work site uh, who could order Scrooge to fix the problem and fine him if he continued to refuse. We also see a really great example of reprisal or threatened <laughs> reprisal in this clip. So a reprisal occurs in the health and safety context when an employer punishes or otherwise takes action against an employee for attempting to enforce their legitimate rights established by health and safety legislation. So in this case, Scrooge's response to the employee's very legitimate health and safety concern is to threaten to fire them. 
uh, which is a blatant reprisal. So if he'd actually followed through with this threat and his employees had pursued a reprisal complaint against him, they could actually all be reinstated to their jobs uh, and or awarded back pay and potentially further damages. So don't be like Scrooge. <laughs> Not only will you be haunted by ghosts, but you could you could have a visit from the Ministry of Labor. <laughs> I, before you said that, I was actually going to say we're going to add that to our playbook. We're going to tell all of our employer clients at the bottom line, don't be like Scrooge. Don't be like Scrooge. <laughs> uh, so that's it for me. So I think we're the next clip is actually from uh, one of our favorites on, on this show is The <laughs> Office. And Nadia is going to take that away. <laughs> in, in case you're not familiar with The Office, Steve Carell is the regional manager of a paper company. In Scranton, his name's Michael Scott. He lacks boundaries and he has a strong desire to be liked. So he constantly tries to be funny and lighten things up, but usually he ends up being offensive and gets in trouble. So we have a couple of examples from the office today relating to uh, the holiday theme. And we're gonna start with the first one now. I want people to cut loose. I want people making out in closets. <laughs> I want people hanging from the ceilings, lampshades on the heads. I want it to be a Playboy Mansion party. And also, I want you to know and spread the word that I will have my digital camera and I'll be taking pictures all along the way. And the best and craziest thing that happens will be on the cover of the newsletter. Incentive. You do realize that we can't serve liquor at the party. Yeah, I know. Damn it. Stupid corporate wet blankets. Like booze ever killed anybody. Oh, oh burning. Oh, 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 so if you're having a holiday office party, the last thing you want is to have something similar to a Playboy Mansion party, get everyone extremely drunk and have someone set their hair on fire. And take pictures of everything. Yeah, and take pictures of everything um, with, with flash. <laughs> Make sure that even if alcohol is served at an office holiday party, that workers are drinking reasonably and acting appropriately in the context of the workplace. Failure to do so can result in disciplinary action up to and including dismissal. So as an employer, you have to make sure that you're providing an appropriate kind of context for employees to enjoy an office party. And if you're an employee, you have to make sure that you're behaving appropriately because it's still workplace. And if you are an employer, you should also ensure you have the proper policies and procedures in place to protect the company, such as a code of conduct, health and safety policy, and, and so on. We regularly help our employer clients with such policies to ensure they're not only complying with the law, but also effectively managing the workplace. And we also help employees get what they're entitled to if they are being wronged in the workplace. Now, as I said, um, initially, Michael Scott, he wants his office to be a fun place. Um, and, and that's his first uh, priority at the expense of safety. So don't be a Michael Scott. I'm now going to pass it on to Alex to discuss a clip from The Simpsons. <laughs> Thanks, Nadia. So 
this uh, clip from The Simpsons, it's not exactly a, a classic episode of The Simpsons. It's more recent, um, but it engages in some uh, very important and common employment law issues in the context of Christmas. So let's watch the clip and uh, we'll analyze it. <gasps> thank you, thank you, thank you. You really made my daughter's Christmas. <laughs> well, her smile made mine. March your fake boot fronts over here! Now, uh, uh, Mr. Costington. Sir, I'm glad I had this chance to talk to you. I've been on the payroll here since May, and I'd really like to start working in ladies' shoes. Not literally, of course. I, I couldn't walk very fast, though I'd learn if that's what it takes. Never mind that now. Did you sell the Malibu Stacy set I put aside? Uh, uh, that was for you? It was for my daughter! You nigg! Now get back that toy! Uh, gee, I'm sorry, sir. Taking back that doll would break a little girl's heart on Christmas Eve. I made a lot of mistakes in my life, but I would never do that. Well, then you're fired! But I... Uh, 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 uh. We, we see this on TV a lot. There's there's often this assumption that bosses can simply fire employees whenever they want um, without any notice or that any mistake at work is cause for a summary dismissal. And at least in Ontario, that's not how it works. So if I were to be advising Gil about his legal rights, I would tell him to retain a lawyer and if necessary, sue his employer for wrongful dismissal. Selling the wrong item in a store it's probably not going to be just cause for dismissal. So Gill will likely be entitled to reasonable notice of termination in accordance with common law. And if he worked for a long time and was fired without any notice, his damages could be significant. The other issue is that Gill was fired right before Christmas. So that's, that's a time when not a lot of companies are hiring. So it, it could mean that it takes them longer to find new work and that could mean a longer notice period. It could also potentially be grounds for punitive damages or aggravated damages. So I know for Gil, something like this is, is terrible to lose your job like this, uh, but it doesn't mean you don't have any entitlements. And it's, it's something a lot of employees have to pursue. And I would tell Gil, you should pursue those entitlements in the courts. So now I'll pass it over to Jeff. He's going to be... Um, dealing with a very classic, a, a true classic movie in A Christmas Story. Uh, take it away, Jeff. Actually, before you go there, Jeff, uh, and we could talk about Simpsons all day, but I was going to say Gil would probably be the best client we could ever land because he seems to lose his job uh, pretty much every season. So <laughs> someone should probably reach out to him since he said this is fairly recent. Well, ever since they lost Lionel Hutz, their ability to access competent legal representation has gone up substantially, but... <laughs> There's a void we can fill. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're going to look at a clip from A Christmas Story. Um, this is going to be in the context of whether or not this conduct that we're going to see in a second would have approached the level that could constitute a dismissal for just cause, just kind of building off what Alex was just discussing. So if we could see the clip, please. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. 
I think everybody here has probably seen that movie a million times and it's still fantastic. <laughs> so we don't see the outcome of this, but the long and the short of the incident is that this is an employee of this store has made physical contact with a client, specifically a child leading up to Christmas. And for want of a better term, kicked the kid in the head and pushed him down <laughs> a slide. Um, if this came to pass, if an employer saw this, if a manager saw this, or if the kid's parents, uh, Ralphie, sorry, give him his name, uh, complained about this, uh, it may be met with a decision of whether or not we should dismiss this individual for just cause. Uh, certainly, we'd want to look at dismissing this individual, but would they be able to assert just cause? Um, as we've discussed previously uh you know in our blogs and I, i'm certain stewart has discussed in the show uh, capital punishment or sorry just cause is the capital punishment of the employment relationship it is uh indicates that if you're dismissed the employer has no obligations to you in terms of your entitlement to reasonable notice uh depending on where you're located in the country you may have entitlements under the statute but for purposes of the common law it negates any entitlement uh, this is a contextual analysis and it's going to be based on the individual's uh, length of service uh, their disciplinary history, uh, how they react when they're confronted with the misconduct, and the seriousness of the misconduct. Uh, in this context, uh, from an objective perspective, I don't care how long this guy's been there, kicking a kid in the head is probably going to constitute sufficient. Um, it was a know. gentle tap. I mean, uh, th- 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 <laughs> thank, you, <laughs> th- th- thank you, counsel. Thank you, counsel. I'm going to proceed with my remarks. Uh, we, we know where Brittany falls on this side of the equation. I appreciate that. Um, but, but yeah, in all seriousness, if this is an individual who's worked there for two weeks and, you know, this is the first time he's come to the attention of the employer is he pushed Ralphie down the slide by kicking him in the head or gently nudging him in the head, as my uh, esteemed co-counsel advises. Uh, it may It's going to be a different analysis than if this is a 30-year employee with a spotless disciplinary record. Um, and when confronted with the misconduct, he's immediately appalled at what he'd done he realizes it was a lapse in judgment and offers to say offer to the or apologize to the kid and try to like rectify christmas um i think from an outward perspective though yeah i this does probably going to constitute cause and if this came into a at least if i was speaking to this guy i'd probably want to ask what you were thinking (laughs) but can you imagine writing the the demand letter for this though how much would that be oh just (laughs) I mean, I mean, prov- provocation. I mean, we don't know what the well, we know what the kid did if you watch the movie, but you know, there is an argument there that he had, you know, cause to do what he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would be entertaining if uh, this guy came in and said, "I got fired. I was just doing my job, and they canned me." And then we're on for the employer, and we get to write that response and say, "Listen, I'm not sure if your client mentioned this to you, but this was kind of a a substantial factor in our decision to proceed with his dismissal." And and just to be clear before um, before we move on. Um, asserting just cause is not something to be done lightly. Uh, The potential impact uh, for an employer who does this without being able to substantiate it can be quite uh, grave. Um, If there's an employment contract in in holding the employee's entitlements to, you know, their entitlements under the Employment Standards Act or the governing statute, uh, falsely asserting cause doesn't mean you get to fall back on that. There's case law, which indicates that this is a repudiation of the employment agreement and therefore the, any terms are, uh, going to be negated and you're going to be entitled to reasonable notice at common law. Uh, you also run the risk of an additional uh, bad faith damages on top of that because some employers, unscrupulous employers may assert cause in an attempt to prevent having to pay an employee out uh, their entitlement to reasonable notice and just are essentially rolling the dice that the employee is not going to go to a lawyer. Um, That's a great point. I was just going to pick up on the point that Alex made and you've made it as well, which is there is this assumption. That if an employee screws up or does something wrong, they can just be tossed out and fired, essentially fired for cause. And of course, as you guys have both said, 
that's not the law in Canada. So I think that's hopefully one message that gets across everyone is, you know, just because you were fired and even if you did screw up, doesn't mean that you're not entitled to any severance. Yeah. Uh, so Stuart's going to continue uh, with another clip from Rudolph and uh, continue telling us about this entertaining situation. <laughs> Well, thanks, Jeff. Well, as you can see from the uh, the image behind me, and I think I mentioned this before, there were actually two misfits in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And as uh, loyal viewers will know, they, they eventually leave uh, leave town, realizing they're never going to fit in and uh, end up on the island of misfit toys. Um, but the other misfit is Herbie, who is the elf. And uh, as we, I think, all know, the elves in the Christmas story are the ones who make the toys. Uh, but he doesn't want to make toys. He wants to be a dentist. And so we've got a, several scenes where he's just not producing as expected. And you've got a boss who uh, has not really been trained on how to manage employees or address performance concerns. So enjoys yelling at him and embarrassing him in front of all of his colleagues. So uh, if we can play this clip, this is one example. These elves. Seems elves have that certain knack for toy making. All except for this, this one misfit. Herbie! Aren't you finished painting that yet? There's a pile up a mile wide behind you. What's eating you, boy? Not happy in my work, I guess. What? I just don't like to make toys. No, well, if that's all... What? You don't like to make toys? No. Herbie doesn't like to make toys. 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 Toys? Shame on you. Do you mind telling me what you do want to do? Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. A dentist? Well, we need one up here. I've been studying. It's fascinating. You've no idea. Molars and bicuspids and incisors. Now, listen, you. You're an elf. And elves make toys. Now, get to work. Ten minutes break. Not for you. Finish the job or your fight. All right, so where, where do we start here? I mean, first of all, you should never yell at or mock an employee in front of their colleagues. Uh, you should not refuse to give them their statutory break or contractual break because they're not getting their work done. Uh, and of course, as we often work with our clients, I mean, there are ways to address performance concerns that don't involve yelling or mocking or taking away their breaks. Uh, and this is you know, something that's discussed at length in my book and on our blog and elsewhere that, you know, contrary to popular belief, you actually can fire somebody because of poor performance. But there are a bunch of hoops that you've got to jump through, uh, including establishing a clear objective and reasonable requirement, communicating that to the employee, giving them the reasonable chance to achieve that requirement, and making it very clear what the consequences will be, i.e. losing their job, if they don't meet those requirements after being given a reasonable opportunity. So that's one thing, is you can manage performance, but you've got to manage it properly. And, and the second point is that all of these instances of, of the boss, and I don't think we ever learned his name, but uh, it was this boss yelling and, and, and humiliating Herbie. You can easily see how there can be a claim for an allegation of, of a toxic work environment, intentional affliction of emotional distress, bad faith damages if they do fire him. And, and like Alex and Jeff have talked about already, even if there was poor performance or misconduct or, or they screw up, 
doesn't necessarily mean you can fire him. So if they did fire Herbie, uh, you could just see this massive claim for severance plus a whole bunch of other types of damages because of the way he was treated. Uh, and as I said before, it's not even clear if these elves are being paid or not, but that's a whole other issue we can talk about. All right, Brittany, you can go back to uh, Kermit and the Muppets. Excellent. I, you know, that's, that's, I, I feel like I want to hear that phrase more often in my life is let's get back to the Muppets. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's, now it's time for our second clip from the Muppet Christmas Carol and yet another example of Scrooge just being a terrible employer. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mr. Scrooge, but it appears to be closing time. Very well. I'll see you at eight tomorrow morning. Um, tomorrow's Christmas. Eight thirty then. Um, if you please, sir, half an hour off hardly seems customary for Christmas Day. How much time off is customary, Mister Cratchit? Uh, why, uh, the uh, whole day. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the right. Whole, the, whole day. the entire day. No, no, that's the frog's idea. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, why open the office tomorrow? Other businesses will be closed. You'll have no one to do business with. Yeah. It'll waste a lot of expensive coal for the fire. Yes, that's definitely a It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every December the 25th. But as I seem to be the only person around who knows that, take the day off. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge. Be here all the earlier the next morning. I'm sorry, I love the fact that they have to try to justify getting Christmas off by saying, well, you won't have to use so much expensive coal to heat the office. Right? Oh my gosh. So ultimately, Scrooge does give his employees Christmas Day off from work, which, you know, kudos to him. But he seems to be under the impression that he could have chosen not to give them any time off at all. Uh, and again, if Scrooge was an employer in modern day Canada, that would simply not fly. Uh, so employees are generally entitled to a day off with public holiday pay on days identified by the government as statutory holidays. We have both um, nationally or federally rec uh, recognized statutory holidays and then holidays that are recognized kind of on a province to province or territory to territory basis. So while it can differ, depending on which jurisdiction you are in in Canada, Christmas Day is a national public holiday. So it's therefore recognized no matter which jurisdiction you are located in. And while an employee can agree to work on a statutory holiday, they cannot be forced to do so in most circumstances. In addition, in Ontario, if an employee does work on a statutory holiday, they are entitled to public holiday pay plus premium pay, which I don't think Scrooge would want to pay, hmm. or he they have to get uh, another day off, a substitute day off instead, uh, which I also don't think Scrooge would be would be very keen on. So he should probably just give them Christmas Day off. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good bottom line. It's the bottom line. Again, we get back to don't be like Scrooge. <laughs> Wait until Scrooge finds out that Boxing Day is also a statutory holiday. Oh, he's going to lose his mind. It's not. <laughs> I don't want to be the one to tell him. <laughs> no, me either. Uh, so now we're getting to another clip um, that Alex is going to take us through from the Santa Claus. Thanks, Brittany. So this is uh, this is a clip from the Santa Claus where Tim Allen learns about the Santa Claus, which requires him to uh, to be Santa and to 
to perform that role in perpetuity. So let's see the clip. Did you or did you not read the card? Yeah, I read the card. Then you're the new Santa. And putting on the hat and jacket, you accepted the contract. What contract? The card and the Santa suit. You said you read it, right? So when you put on the suit, he fell subject to the Santa Claus. The Santa Claus? Well, you mean the guy that fell off my roof? No, no, no. Not Santa Claus the person. Santa Claus the clause. What? You're a businessman, right? A clause as in the last line of a contract. You got the card? Okay, look. The Santa Claus. And putting on this suit and entering the sleigh, the wearer waves any and all rights to any previous identity, real or implied, and fully accepts the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity until such time that wearer becomes unable to do so by either accident or design. What does that mean? It means you put on the suit and you're the big guy. So in, in the context of employment contracts, there needs to be a meeting of the minds for the contract to be enforceable. And that means that the parties entering into the contract, they, they need to know they're entering into a contract and they need to at least have the opportunity to understand the terms that they're entering into. So when, when we prepare contracts, we always include a provision that allows, for instance, the employee to review it, to get legal advice uh, if necessary before they sign it. Um, basically, an employer can't rely upon a contract that the employee didn't know about or didn't know they were entering into or, or couldn't have possibly understood the terms. Um, so in this case, would Tim Allen be legally required to perform the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity? Did he accept the terms of the contract by putting on the, the jacket and the hat? I would say there's going to be a very real issue about whether or not there's a valid contract that was entered into. Especially with the sneakiness of that fine print, yeah. eh? It was like <laughs> written all around the border of the card. <laughs> it is it is sneaky. It wasn't brought to his attention. And and we see this in some cases where um, concerning, for instance, stock options plans, if, if an employee didn't have the opportunity to see it, if it was never brought to their attention, it, it can't form part of their employment contract. So I think they're, they're going to have an issue there. Can you imagine how happy our, like how happy our clients would be? How much time do we spend trying to explain to clients how to create an enforceable contract? Uh, first of all, it's got to be drafted properly. Second of all, it's going to be given to the employee. They've got to have time to get proper legal advice. You've got to bring important clauses to their attention. If they could do this, well, our, our jobs would be completely different. <laughs> would be, would also, be. it's kind of hard for, I mean, there's no really specific performance for an employment contract. So if he backs out of the clause, what are you going to do? <laughs> you can't make me work. <laughs> very, very good point. And the toys have to be delivered, though. The, the <laughs> toys do have to be delivered. That sounds like the employer's problem, not mine. <laughs> Jeff rooting Christmas over here. <laughs> it's all yeah, day, we, every day. If it would ruin Christmas, clearly there's got to be an argument here that you could require a specific performance in that context. Okay. Yeah, I guess you could. Right. It's an exceptional I love, case. I love the context. You put on the uniform, you've agreed to be our employee in perpetuity. Are we really going into philosophy now? The end by the means. <laughs> somebody brought up the court of equity i don't know i i, I don't know who it was but i That's blame them you, Jeff. yeah i know I, I i wouldn't say that if it wasn't me <laughs> Fair enough.
So uh, now I'll, I'll pass it over to Nadia. We're going to check in on uh, the office Christmas party and see how that transpired. Yeah, let's get let's get right to it. It's sort of a continuation of the previous clip. Hey, Meredith, heading over to Port Richards. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. You need a ride? All right, let's head out. Sounds good. You have a coat? Yeah. Okay. So that's clearly inappropriate. Michael Scott is Meredith's boss. If she is drunk and flashes him, he should not be using flash photography on her to take a picture of her. Also, her behavior would be cause for disciplinary action as long as there's no breach of her human rights. For example, if she was an alcoholic, that could be a disability protected under the human rights legislation. What Michael should do is involve HR, um, but he hates Toby, as we all know. Toby's the <laughs> HR um, uh, representative. He should involve HR to ensure he's handling the matter appropriately. The company should also ensure that they have policies in place to protect the company going forward, uh, such as with respect to workplace harassment. So I'm now going to pass it on to Jeff to discuss a clip from The Simpsons. Great, thank you, Nadia. So yeah, this is a, a clip that takes place, I believe it's on Christmas Eve. I think this is, unless I'm seriously mistaken, this is the, the first Simpsons episode um, like ever shot and released. Um, yeah, and so this place takes place on Christmas Eve and it's, um, I just an example of what can go wrong in the workplace and how you, and we're going to talk about how you can address that. Oh, Santa's got a little trick up his sleeve. Attention shoppers, register 9 is now open for your shopping convenience. Sorry, these were the Okay, I'm going to sorry, I'm going to backtrack a second. That was not the first Simpsons episode. I apologize. That was a different one. But uh, nevertheless, bring my argument there. Yeah, I no, I I apologize. My Simpsons game is rusty and, you know, my trivia scores have correspondingly been low. So, what the incident we want to talk about here though is uh this is an uh, unattended register. Um a non-employee was able to come up to it, um somehow open the register, begin cashing people out and essentially make off with limited merchandise. Um the issue would be subsequently if the employer looks into this, this is obviously going to come to the employer's attention. If the employer looks into this at a later date and assesses that uh, some employee uh, breached their duty or their obligations to the employer or breached a policy uh, and should have stepped in or at least should have taken steps to prevent this from taking place in the first place. Um, as we've discussed previously, a policy is irrelevant if it hasn't been properly written, implemented, and distributed to employees. So in order for the employer to actually discipline an employee for this, if that actually was what went wrong and there was some manner of uh, employee failure, uh, there has to have been a policy in place uh, distributed and properly implemented saying that, one, if you see um, you know, a non-employee commandeer or register and start checking people out, maybe advise somebody or at least step in and prevent this from taking place. Um, as Stewart's mentioned on this show previously, uh, if an employer is going to discipline or dismiss somebody on the basis of non-compliance with the policy, that policy has got to be in place. And you can't just say that, oh, well, everybody knew about it. It was an unwritten rule. Well, that's irrelevant. So there has to have been something. And I mean, I certainly assume otherwise the, the store would probably in, be in greater 
financial difficulty if there wasn't a policy in place saying don't let random people show up and take over a register. It's particularly on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, there are lots of policies that everyone assumes are written down somewhere, but have never actually been reduced to writing. So you know, you don't ever know. But I love the fact that Homer Madge just grew up not only his own workplace, but found another one to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, so I'm going to throw it back to Stuart, who's going to tell us some more about Rudolph. Cool. Yeah, this is a, a short clip, but it's just one more example of uh, the abuse that Herbie takes at work. So we can uh, we can play the clip, and I'll I'll comment briefly. Now, this won't hurt a bit. Why weren't you at elf practice? Just fixing these dolls' teeth. Just fixing? Now listen, we have dolls that cry, talk, walk, blink, and run a temperature. We don't need any chewing dolls. I just thought I found a way to, to fit in. You'll never fit in! So... <laughs> In the manager's defense, at least he wasn't berating him in front of others this time. I believe the rest of the room was empty. Um, but yeah, culminating your yelling at an employee by saying you'll never fit in is clearly going to lead to the allegations of the toxic work environment and the abuse and everything else, especially if the reason they're not going to fit in has any relation to a human right or ground protected by human rights. So I guess we've already said don't be like Scrooge and uh who else was? We said, don't, don't be like Michael Scott. So don't be like the manager of the elves. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is my final point on uh, on that show. And I will then pass it back to Nadia. <laughs> Nadia, you can talk about The Office, which I think for, for these clip shows, I think The Office and The Simpsons are just the gifts that never stop giving. <laughs> for sure. And uh, this one's a little bit different than the previous uh, Office clips. So uh, this one's uh, with... Jim Halper, uh, who's played by John Krasinski, and Rain Wilson plays Dwight Schrute. So we'll see some fun rivalry between these two. Hey, it's snowing. Oh my God, it's the first snowfall of Christmas. Is that just so magical for you, little girl? Can you not wait to have a hot chocolate and cuddle up with Papa and tell him about all your Christmas dreams? Hmm? It's not even real snow. Look, it's dusting. Pitiful. Hey, Dwight. Oh! oh yes. Damn it, Jim! You cannot throw snowballs in here. Well, it's not a snowball because it's only a dusting, right? Look at that. There's a pebble in there. You could have killed me. Oh, don't be such a baby. Yeah, who's a little girl now? Then I challenge you to a snowball fight on the first real snow of winter. God. That sounds awesome. Can we all do it? No, Andy, it's a snowball fight. It's not fun. Go get your own thing. <laughs> and then there's the second one as well. You've reached the voicemail of Dwight Kurt Schrute. Please leave. No feeling in my fingers or penis, but I think it was worth it. Oh. Ah! Um, I was laying on the ground, defenseless, and uh, he just kept throwing them. 
until he exhausts himself. And uh, then, how about icing it? LOL, Dwight. I need to get. Thanks, Rob. So, Jim and Dwight, they have a rivalry that spans across the many seasons of The Office with Dwight saying or doing certain ridiculous things and Jim playing pranks on him. But in this incident, they both went too far. Jim shouldn't have hit his co-worker Dwight with a snowball on his face in the office. And Dwight definitely should not have attacked Jim like that. This poses a serious problem with respect to health and safety in the workplace. And uh, we're, we're all laughing here, obviously, but if this was in real life, we wouldn't be. So the company should not only ensure it has the proper policies in place, including health and safety, workplace bullying and harassment, and a code of conduct, um, and, uh, and, and that the policies are implemented properly and applied um, consistently. For example, employees who engage in misconduct in violation of such policies should be disciplined. So as uh, I believe it was Stuart uh, or, or someone else who talked about this earlier, the policies need to not only be in place, they need to be implemented properly, they need to be communicated to uh, the workers so that they actually know um, what they're expected to do in terms of appropriate conduct within the workplace. And employees should be disciplined if they're not following the policies um, the, the way that they're supposed to. I'm now going to pass it on to Brittany to discuss the last clip from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Thanks, Nadia. And so as Nadia said, our last clip is from one of my favorite shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So let's check it out. Thank you for joining me for what promises to be the diggity dopest tree lighting in the history of the Nine-Nine. I don't understand. Where's the tree? It was inside us all along. Brilliant, Jake. No, Charles, not everything was inside of us all along. The tree is right here. Cool. Can we go now? Obviously not. Behold, the greatest inflatable tree that Murica has to offer. And now, in the immortal words of St. Nick, turn on the compressor. You hear that? It's the sound of Christmas. It's deafening. It's getting really big. What size tree did you get? It's a jumbo. It says it's 10 meters tall. That's roughly 32.81 feet. Someone unplug it. Unplug it now. We can't. It swallowed its own plug. Everybody run! <laughs> okay. The tree has been contained. Wait, we left a man behind. <laughs> well, Terry's trapped in the break room forever. Only thing we can do now is move on with our lives. It's what Terry would have wanted. <laughs> God bless us, everyone. Yeah! Special delivery. For <laughs> so although the situation is obviously hilarious, it also presents a pretty serious health and safety issue, uh, very similar to the clip that Nadia was just talking about from The Office. Uh, this, this goes a little bit too far. Very lucky that nobody was hurt, including Terry, by some miracle, who was trapped in the break room and then launched himself <laughs> through the window. Um, but this easily could have resulted in multiple workplace injuries, not to mention the property damage. Uh, interestingly, certain employees do not have the right to refuse unsafe work, including a person employed by a police force. <laughs> However, this exception only applies where the circumstances giving rise to the refusal is inherent, 
in the worker's work or as a normal condition of their employment, or the work refusal would directly endanger the life, health, or safety of another person. Unfortunately for Jake, I don't think participating in a tree lighting event is a circumstance inherent to the duties of a police officer, nor would refusing to participate endanger anyone, although I'm sure Jake would be very disappointed and hurt as a result. So, As we we always say, it depends. It depends. (laughs) Exactly. It depends. It really does depend. So Captain Holt should probably have a a serious conversation with Jake about health and safety in the workplace and ensuring that his good-natured pranks don't go too far. All right, well, I'll, I'll chime in with the last word. <laughs> That's, I guess, one more example of, of some of the issues that can arise at the holiday season. Uh, but I was also just going to remind everyone that we have done a lot of blog posts and other articles on some of the other issues that can arise during this time. Holiday parties, which are now coming back, at least some of them in person, which is great. Um, but we've been talking about this for as long as I've been practicing, that holiday parties create this strange atmosphere where although they're work-related, all of a sudden people let their guard down, especially when you get alcohol in the mix, and all of a sudden you have harassment and sexual harassment complaints. So it's critical, as we've said a number of times today, to have clear policies, clear procedures in place, make sure everyone knows what the expectations are and also what the consequences are of, um, of behaving inappropriately. So I think we will uh, we'll wrap up season five, episode 11, our holiday clip show there. Um, that was, as always, a lot of fun. But I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And, uh, and as always, thank Rob and Rebecca for helping get things organized. And just a final reminder for 2022 that uh, at Rudner Law, we really want everyone to treat their employment relationships as legal relationships and make informed decisions. Even things like the treatment of Rudolph or Herbie can have HR raise HR law issues. So never never forget that their employment relationships with legal consequences. Please keep up to date with all the employment law um, developments by subscribing to our newsletter, by following us on social media, uh, and of course, by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Um, but as always, as we always say, none of that replaces tailored advice for your specific situation. So if you think you might need an employment lawyer, you probably do. Feel free to reach out to us. Look for past episodes on YouTube, on our website, and on Facebook. Uh, we look forward to our first episode of next year, which is going to be with Brian Epstein and Frank Newman talking all about how to downsize properly and conduct layoffs with without risk or at least with minimal risk. So again, Rob, thanks very much for all your help throughout the year. Rebecca, thank you for everything you do. And thanks for everyone for tuning in. And uh, we all want to wish you a very, very happy holiday season and all the best for the new year. Thank you.